Thank you, Jane. And welcome, Jane. Dharma sister and really an illuminated friend um, on the path. And Jane has been so dedicated to both everyday Zen and heart of compassion. So, um, a real privilege to practice with you, Jane. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Hello, everyone. It's great to see all your faces. And I apologize for the headset. There's lots of noise in my neighborhood, and it's the only way I can hear. So, I had hoped to join some of you for sewing today, and I'd hoped for a post-sewing walk or tea with one of one or two of you. And I'd hope to join the picnic celebration yesterday at Laura and Peter's in person. Jim was even planning to come with me, but as I mentioned to Jean, the reason for our not coming is practically an O. Henry story, and I'll have to tell that on another time. But I missed you all, and Jim missed meeting many of you and seeing you being an Eleanor. So it came to me uh, that a way to talk about my favorite Lojong slogan might be to write a letter to you all, which somehow feels like the most intimate way of communicating across the spaces that still sometimes suspend between us during these ongoing plague years when everything and nothing is happening. And so, dear ones, what struck me last week in my little pod with Beth and Tyrone is the number of Lojong slogans that are admonitions. Don't talk about injured limbs. Don't ponder others. Nearly a third start with the word don't. It seemed unusual to me in the context of our Western woke and power of positive thinking culture. But then I realized that perhaps all those don'ts could provide some insights into another one of Western culture's favorite artifacts, one that I make obsessive use of, the to-do list. I started looking at my to-dos in the light of the Lojong don'ts and thought maybe what I need to do is make a to-don't list. I began to wonder What's driving all these items on my to-do list? Upgrade my phone. Really? Do I need to? What's behind that urge? It isn't broken. The Lojong slogan, don't try to be the fastest, suggested that that item could probably get put on my to-don't list. Clean out my email inbox and waste my precious time. Who knows how long I have left to be on planet or to take a walk with my husband. And by the way, the crocosmia is blooming now. Don't be frivolous. Move that one to the to don't list. 
Write instructions so S can clean up all the email lists. Hmm. Is it really possible to define every condition I feel must be met for the list to be clean? In the time it would take me to write the instructions, I could probably clean the list. Better just to own the responsibility and do it myself. Don't transfer the ox's load to the cow. Added that one to the to-don't list. And so it went. My to-do list got shorter. But more than that, I began to step away from my patterns. I began to feel my intentions behind them, see myself a little bit clearer. I became curious, and John's question of what slogan am I really drawn to led me to wonder where might a favorite slogan take me, and what might I discover about myself if I listened to my life through the slogan. I went through the list and after circling several, I landed on number six. In post-meditation, be a child of illusion. Post-meditation for me often becomes stepping right back into a world of doing and action where things can become heavy and full of responsibilities. It's a feeling that seems very related to all those to-do lists trying to do the right thing, trying to be good, or at least to be seen as good or competent, feel free of blame on top of things. What if after meditation, it could be possible to experience the same spaciousness I offer, often experience in sitting might there be a flow and flexibility to what happens if I could resist stepping right back into the self-absorption of my own goals, my own drive for control? What if I simply imagine that many things are always happening at once and just take care of what shows up? Might my life be workable in a less constrained way? In the early 90s, I had a good friend in whose closet hung the most beautiful set of tails I'd ever seen. Maybe the only set of bespoke, tailored tails I'd ever seen. She told me they had been made in Germany before her parents left. The tail coat itself was tailored slim to fit the young body of her father, who would wear it later when her parents were wed and after they'd escaped. My friend let me try it on. It fits you perfectly, she smiled. A few weeks later, the digital animation company I was working for announced that it would be celebrating 10 years in business with a big party at Bimbo's in San Francisco. Each employee could invite up to five guests in the industry, that is, in the film business. I told my friend, and together we decided it would be the perfect opportunity to invite the man whose years later became my current husband. And then she said, 
and you should wear my father's tails. I went, I wore the tails, I invited that man, he came, we hit it off. Instead of hanging around the Hollywood opulence of the jazz band in the back bar with the huge aquarium and a live mermaid swimming through it, blowing kisses to the patrons, we went outside and walked around North Beach for hours, discovering who we were. I think we even missed the limo back to the train station. Months later, I still had the tails hanging in my closet. And I still had a very guilty note on my to-do list to get them dry cleaned and returned to my friend. As fate or the universe would have it, I managed to get the tails to the dry cleaners, picked back up, delivered to my friend, and crossed that item off my to-do list the day before the fire that nearly took every house on Broadway Terrace, including hers. My friend was gone the day of the fire, but her sometimes boyfriend had happened to come by. As evacuation became obvious, he hastily grabbed a few things, and at the last minute, he saw the plastic dry cleaner's bag and deciding it must be important, he grabbed it and escaped. The tail coat is my friend's only sentimental possession that survived. I wonder sometimes, what if I hadn't doggedly wanted to cross that item off my to-do list? What if the boyfriend hadn't come by her house? Would the tail coat have been safe at my house as well? And I wonder, how is it for you when meditation ends? Does the grasping return slowly or quickly? Does the world stay open and spacious, or does it close again? Write me back. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Love, Jane. Let's just take that in, that beautiful letter. Thank you, Jimmy. So those would be the questions, John, I think that I would propose to ask. Um, I can read them once again. Yes. How is it for you when meditation ends? Does the grasping return slowly or quickly? Does the world stay open and spacious? Does it close again? Mm 